Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey Life Church, I'm so glad that you joined us. I know it's online um, and we would love to be in person with all of you. But unfortunately, for the next four weeks, this is how we're going to have to meet. But I am thankful. I'm thankful that as a church, we are in the position where we can record our messages and still be in connection with you so that we can share God's good news with you. So this morning, uh, wherever you are watching, I want to encourage you, lean in. Like by leaning in, I mean really lean in. Turn off the distractions that's going on around you. Um, Take your cup of coffee, sit down, focus, because I do believe God wants to speak to you today. I I believe these messages and this series is foundational for every single one of us. And, And I know the enemy wants to steal this word from you. Do not allow him. Do not allow him to do it. This message is important. So please listen, lean in. Lean in. Okay, are you leaning? Good. So we are in week three of a series that is called Dress Code for Life. Better known in Christian terms as the armor of God. Why? Why do we have an armor? Because we are engaged in a spiritual battle. There is a battle going on. There's a battle taking place. And most of us are not even aware of it. We're not aware of the battle that is happening in the spiritual realm. We are looking at the situations and the things that are in our lives and just say, well, it's just life, right? That's just life. It's just the way it is. But I want you to know that there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm to steal life from you. See, the the battle for believers that's happening in the spiritual realm is not to steal your salvation because that cannot be stolen from you. But what the enemy can steal from you is he can steal your joy. He can steal your peace. He can steal your happiness. He can steal steal your relationships, your marriage, your children. He can steal your purpose, your hope. And that's the battle that's going on in the heavenly places. That is the battle that we have to be ready for every single day of our lives because there is an enemy and he wants to steal life from your life. Now, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the giants that we face, the mountains, the vehicles, the difficulties. Our battle is against evil powers in the heavenly places. So unless you believe, and I hope that you believe this, I hope that you are at that that place where, where you are believing, unless you believe that there is a battle taking place in the heavenly realms, for your life, unless you believe it, the armor of God will be of no use to you. If you do not believe in this battle taking place in the spiritual realm, you don't even have to listen to this message because the armor would be useless to you because it's a spiritual armor. It's a spiritual armor which I am wearing for the purpose of fighting for the victory that's already been given to me and also standing in the victories that's already been revealed in me. Just preaching about this over the the last few weeks 
have changed my own view, my own perspective, my own daily routines quite drastically. Because like you, I face difficulties also. There's also things that we face as a church. There's trying to navigate this whole COVID, being in person, not in person, protocols, wearing a mask, not a mask, income to the church, giving. How do we, how do we um, supplement the giving in the church? How do we make changes? Uh, hiring, firing, all the things that you are going through, we are going through also. But my response to them over the last few weeks have changed. Instead of trying to beat or change the obstacle in front of me, I've realized that this battle, the one that we are in right now, is a spiritual battle. And fighting it in the natural will not change it. Because the root of the battle is in the spiritual. And if I want to bring change into the natural, I have to deposit truth into the spiritual. Because only truth defeats the enemy. I have to deposit God's truth into the spiritual realm continuously regarding the situations and the circumstances that I am facing on a daily basis. Therefore, I am praying way more. I'm, I'm constantly walking around praying. I'm constantly praying God's, God's truth into situations. I am praying way more in the spirit because I know even though speaking in tongues or praying in the spirit is not something that I can understand or translate, I know it prays into the spiritual realm where he knows what is going on and what I need in my life. Therefore, I'm like trusting the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf for what's going on in my life. And I'm just investing way more over there than what I've been doing for a very long time. Because we are in a battle. I'm constantly casting truth. I hope that you are doing it also. I'm constantly casting truth into the spiritual realm because that is where my victory is and that's where yours, yours are also. So what are you doing about God's instructions for your life? Are you addressing it in the spiritual realm or you're simply just trying to fix it right in front of you. We read in Ephesians 6, this has been our, our theme verse over the last few weeks. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. It's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, you're still going to stand. See, God is telling us to stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm on what? Stand firm on His truth. We cannot stand firm on things that are not truth. We can only stand firm in truth and on truth, not on opinion and not on comfort level. Verse 13 again, Therefore put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, 
to stand. So he says, dress appropriately. Dress appropriately, and after you've dressed appropriately, take your ground and stand firm. There is a spiritual dress code that we need in order to stand firm. It's important to know, it's not your clothes, and it's not your armor. It's not you who decides what the armor is made up of. Lene's got this game where she can dress a girl in any way she wants on her iPad, right? It's like a designer game on the iPad. This is not your designer game where you can decide if you get to have a feather boa. God's armor is specific for what we need to have victory in the spiritual realm. So he gives us six items, six items that we have to wear in that realm so that it will influence our lives in this realm. The first set starts off with the word having. The first set of three, having, having. The next three begins with the verb take up. And, and we spoke about that last week. What does having mean? It means it's a state of being. It's yours. It's supposed to be yours every single day. When I go to bed at night, I'm lying in bed and I have on the belt of truth as I preach and, and as I go through messages in my head and as I'm speaking to God, I have on the belt of truth. It's something that I, I have on the breastplate of righteousness, who I am in Christ Jesus. I have on every single day as I go out the good news of the gospel of God's grace that is applied to every single one of us. I don't just put them on an occasion. I live with them. They are part of who I am. The next three says we have to take them up. I take up the shield of faith. I take up the helm of salvation and I take up the sword of the spirit. And we'll, we'll still speak of those over the next few weeks. So you are to have on and you are to take up. God gives the armor. He doesn't put it on. It should be a song, kid song. God gives the armor. He doesn't put it on. Um, uh, copyright, CC. He tells us to put on the armor ourselves. So what's your responsibility and my responsibility? Our responsibility is faith. In faith, to receive what God has supplied to us in grace. Faith is reaching to grace and grabbing what grace has provided. Faith is reaching to the spiritual so that it is manifested in the physical. Whatever your problem might be, Whatever you are facing, even if you can deal with it, even if you figured out how to cope with it, even if you figured out how to get around it, um, you know, you're not just going to deal, you're just going to sweep it out. Whatever your problem is, if you are tired of that problem, if anything is stealing life from you, do not accommodate it anymore. Do not make room for it anymore. There is in God, a way for you to have victory in every area of your life. And the root of that problem that you are dealing with is in the spiritual realm. And if you want to fix it, you've got to fix it there. So, what are we doing to fix the problem? He gives us instruction on what we should do. He says, put on the armor of God in verse 14. They say, stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So this is the first part of the armor that we have to put on. It's called the belt of truth buckled around, buckled around your waist. If you're going to operate in the spiritual realm and if you want results, 
in the physical realm, you have to wear the belt of truth. Meaning, God-based truth is what you have to have on. God's ways, you have to have that on. Godly thinking should be what you have on every single day. You have to think his way about the situation. You have to do things his way in your situation. And we get his thinking and we get his ways of doing from his word. And that is truth. And only that is truth. So the belt of truth is from God's word. Emotions, they are not the truth. Harvard professors, opinions or thesis, that is not the truth. Social media input, that is not the truth. Truth, truth is God's word. And truth is not always, it does not always line up with facts. Now, some of you are going, what are you saying? How can truth not line up with facts? Uh, let me explain to you. A young man, I read a news report, a young man passed away um, and he was young. Um, and on his death certificate, it's a young man in South Africa, on his death certificate, they wrote cause of death, COVID-19. Cause of death. It's one of the youngest people who died from the COVID-19 virus. 19 years old. Now, that was a fact because they found the virus in his blood. But the cause of death actually was a car accident. See, it is a fact that he had the virus in his blood. But the truth is the virus did not kill him. Some people are saying, you know, I feel like I'm going to die. And the reality, it's a fact for you. That's a fact. That is how you feel. You feel so depressed that it feels like you are going to die. But that's not the truth. The truth is that there is life for you. The truth is that you are alive and you are not dying. See, see the truth sets you free. And the only truth that can set you free is the truth that we find in one source. And that one source is God. Truth is not open for debate. So where do we get truth? Where, where, what's the, the fountain of truth? Where do we go to find truth? Well, it's in relationship with God we find truth. Truth is revealed in relationship with God through different ways. But our foundation for truth is based on God's word. The Bible. Whenever you feel like God is telling you to do something, whenever you feel like God is directing you in a certain direction, I want to encourage you to do the following things. First, check to see if what you feel God is saying to you lines up with what he says in his word. Is this what God's word says about the matter? Then, and this is important, so um, you feel God is telling you to do something. You're going to see if it's in God's word, if it lines up with the truth. Then, important thing to do, because you are planted in the church, right? You planted in the church, remember that. Make sure that you value your plant and that you contribute to your plant and make sure that you grow your plant. So you are planted in a church where you have relationship, where you know people, um, where you've come and you have submitted to the spiritual authority of the people in that church, you are accountable to the people who are there. They pray for you and they pray with you. 
and you've confirmed that that's where you're supposed to be, you go to them and you ask them, listen, God has told me this. I have found this in the word. Would you please pray with me so that I can also just have the peace of going, yeah, this has been confirmed in the people who care about me. See, people who you trust, people who you trust in your body, people who have relationship with God and you've seen the fruit in their lives. It's important for you to have those people in your life. Go to them. You take their counsel, you take their advice, and you ask them to bring confirmation. Now, unfortunately, I know many people who have said to me in the past, I've, you know, as a pastor, we, we have a lot of people in our, in our congregation and in our body, um, and I constantly get people that come to me with different things where they said, God said, God said, God have told me to do this, God have told me. And then when I look at what they are telling me God is telling them to do, I'm going, but, but buddy, that is not biblical. Yeah, but God told me, God told me that this is what I'm saying. But it's, it's not biblical. So even if you think that this is what God told you, God will not go against his word. God will not break with truth. We have to make sure that what we are hearing God telling us lines up with the truth that is in his word. People will say to me things like, you know, God told me to leave my wife. Um, no, he didn't. He's never told anybody to leave their wives. Maybe he told you not to get married, but you didn't listen then. So now you are married. And the word says, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. So what hope do you have? You have amazing hope because the grace of God is supplied to you, even sometimes in our disobedience. God's grace can come in and he can make something where we left him in disobedience, he can come in with grace and bring a miraculous relationship together. There is always God's grace for every single one of our wrong decisions. But don't tell me God told you to divorce. God said I should leave the church. And it's the same thing. God refers to the church as his bride and refers to Jesus as um, um, we are the bride. He is the groomsman. We are in relationship with him. Now, why would God tell you to leave his bride? Why would God tell you to, Jesus is going to marry his bride? Yeah, God told me to leave the church. That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. I cannot find that. Well, why? Well, because, you know, I'm just looking for more relationships and the pastors don't call me enough and they've only gone for coffee for one to three. Nonsense. Get over yourself. That's not the reason to leave a church and say God said. That's actually a great reason to work on your relationships, that you don't just have a relationship with the pastor, but that you are actually impacting other people in the body so that they want to be with you. This is a great time to realize that you are called to serve others, love others, and leaders are going to make mistakes. Hello, here I am. I've made many mistakes and I will own up to them. No problem. But so have you. That's why God's grace is there for us. God's grace is there for others. We do not leave because somebody has said something or they did. No, we are planted and we value our plant 
even when they do something wrong, God's grace is there to cover that also. The same way God's grace is there to cover you. If that's you in one of these, uh, I want to say you guys know that I love you, right? This is not said to, to beat you with a stick. That's not the intention of this at all. But if that is you, if, if you've used God said in the past to justify an emotional decision, just go and apologize and fix it. It's so easy. I know that people on the other end will stand with open arms and welcome you back. But you know how this happens? Unfortunately, unless you put on the belt of truth, you will not recognize where you've been dishonest. I know that's a little bit confrontational, isn't it? It <laughs> wasn't the intention. So now, how do we know the Bible is truth? Let's get there because this is an important thing to get to. How do we know the Bible is truth? That's a good question. Uh, because if we are going to anchor our lives with truth, I better make sure that truth is truth. I better make sure, we must be sure that whatever we are anchoring in, whatever truth we are hooking up to, is truth. Here are a few things about the Bible I love and things that I hope that will help you also to understand how incredible the Bible is. Our truth. Jesus. Jesus himself. The one whom we follow. We follow Jesus. Jesus quoted from three quarters of the Old Testament. Of the books of the Old Testament. Three quarters. Of the, and he called them scriptures. The word scripture means inspired word. So Jesus said that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, depended on the word when he was confronted and attacked by the enemy. He used the Bible. That should be a good indication for us. If Jesus thinks that the Bible is good enough to use, it should be good enough for us to use also. But let's go deeper. There's more. Some of you, oh, I don't know if that's really good enough for me. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Now that given by the inspiration of God is the Greek word theonustos, meaning God breathed, God inspired. All scripture is God inspired and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So all scripture is given by God, breathed by God, is profitable for doctrine. So what is doctrine? The Bible is profitable for our faith, our doctrine, what to believe in. The Bible is there to tell us what to believe in. It is also there for rebuke, not others. The Bible is not supposed to be used for you to rebuke others. And if some of you felt rebuked earlier by what I said, I want to apologize. I, I, that was not the intention to rebuke you. But it is there to rebuke the enemy. We use the Bible to rebuke the enemy. It is also used for correction. And that is what I hope I brought earlier. It's correction in our thinking. Changing our thinking so that it lines up with God and what he says in regards to situations and circumstances. And then to instruct us about our righteousness. The Bible is there to tell us 
who we are in Christ Jesus. So the Bible is God-breathed, it's God-inspired, it's got many uses. Now, let's look at other religions because um, an easy way for us to compare the value of truth is to measure it up to other books that have proclaimed themselves to be truth. So let's start with, with the book of Buddha. Now, the book of Buddha are sermons by one man, written by one guy. I have some great principles in them, but it's all written just by one guy. The Quran um, is written by one man, but they were compiled after he died. So written by one guy, that somebody took his writings and put them together and formed the Quran after he died. The Bible. The Bible, 66 books, written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. Most of them never met each other, did not know of each other, lived in the same neighborhood, there were no social media where they could collaborate their stories. There were no connections. There were no other writings that they could add onto theirs to make sure that they are writing accurately. Yet, there is this cohesion between the writings that are miraculous, unexplainable. So they began the writing of the Bible in the mid 14th century BC. And it continued through the late first century AD. The collusion factor is miraculous. Isaiah and Micah, two prophets in the Old Testament, wrote about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay, so, so let's, let's just get this. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah wrote about how Jesus would be born, the circumstances, who he is, the Messiah, the child born in a manger. Micah writes about the city where he would be born in. Isaiah, about how Jesus would be born. Micah, where he would be born. They, they did a study on the mathematical odds of this prophecy about where Jesus would be born, the mathematical odds of that coming true. And they determined that Jesus had a one in 300,000th chance of being born in Bethlehem. Love that. David. David wrote about the crucifixion a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. 500 years before anyone had ever been crucified. How did David know that? Because the Bible is inspired word of God. Daniel. Daniel. He writes 500 years BC before Christ. And he writes this about the empire. He says, there is going to be this great empire that's going to dominate the world. And this empire will suddenly be cut off. And then this empire will be divided into four different empires. And those four will be grouped into two empires. And those two will become one empire. And during the reign of this one great empire, the Messiah will be born. 500 years before the birth of Christ. So it's easy for us to look at the prophecy that Daniel wrote and see if it historically came true. 300 BC, 
You have the emperor, Alexander the Great, that dominated the whole world. He was killed when he was 32 years old and suddenly cut off. Then his kingdom was divided amongst four generals. It became four empires. And then those four empires became two empires. The Seleucid Empire and the Ptolemaic Kingdom. Those two became one empire, the Roman Empire. And during the Roman Empire, Jesus was born. This was written 500 years before it took place. Exactly the way Daniel said it would happen. Bruce Manning Metzger, he's an American biblical scholar and textual critic who was a longtime professor at Princeton. He said, after you take the 20,000 lines of the New Testament, it is safe for any scholar to say that 99.4% of the Bible has been confirmed and collaborated by other historical documents. So it's not just that I'm saying to you, you have to just believe the Bible. It has been confirmed and collaborated, 99.4% of the Bible collaborated by other historical documents. It's amazing. 2,000 years since Christ has come, 3,500 years since the inscription process started, no book in the history of the world has been more studied, more scrutinized, and yet always been proved true. The mathematical odds that the 66 books over 1,500 years by 40 different writers would be, would be so congruent as these books are is astronomical. The American Scientific Affiliation had this study. They submitted and verified the calculations. They've been submitted and verified. There are 300 prophecies about Jesus' birth, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus' role in the church. So what they decided, they're not going to take all 300 because we know that the 300 have been accomplished. They said, let's not take 300. Let's just take eight of them. What are the odds of one man fulfilling eight of the prophecies that were written in the Old Testament thousands of years before it happened? Hundreds of years before, not thousands, hundreds of years before it happens. And, and this is what they came up with. Eight prophecies we find in the Old Testament. The chances of Jesus fulfilling them, one to 100 quintillion. Now, what's a quintillion? A quintillion is one to 18 zeros. One and 18 zeros. You know how, what number that is? You know how big that number? Let me explain. I know that, that doesn't really hit us. Like, um, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to explain to you this way because this is how they explained it in the documentation. They say, suppose you, you take a loony. And you take the loony and you put it down on the state of Texas. And you cover the face of the state of Texas. You cover it. But not just one level. You cover it two feet deep the state of texas is now covered look around you there's loonies everywhere it's covered the state of texas two feet deep with loonies that's your quintillion okay now the mathematical odds of jesus fulfilling eight prophecies are the following you take one of those loonies and you make a little black dot on it and you can determine wherever you want to put that loony on the state of Texas. 
So you take the loon in, you go and bury it somewhere. Then you bring a blind man. You bring a blind man and you place him anywhere you want on the state of Texas. And you tell him, you can walk in any direction for as long as you want. You can dig as deep as you want. But I want you to pick just one loony. The odds of that man picking that one loony is one to 100 quintillion. Those were the odds of one man fulfilling eight of the prophecies. And yet he did. And it's not just like we're saying, oh, he did. They have been verified by other historical documents. That to me is amazing. You see, if it was just based on man's wisdom, there's no way that that guy would find it. But with God, anything is possible. See, the Bible is God's truth for us. The Bible, the book itself, has been proven to be truth. The principles in the book has been proven to be truth. So we have to put on that truth belt. I know the Bible is true also because I know the author personally. I know Jesus Christ and I've seen the fruit of applying the truth in my life. It says in John 5, 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But these testify of me. The Bible points us to Jesus. Jesus points to the Bible. and The Bible points our lives in the direction where it's supposed to go. See, when, when you apply the truth out of relationship and not religion, his truth becomes your truth also. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. Put on the armor of God. Put on his truth. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, becomes your peace. Then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Then my God can supply for all my needs becomes your provision. Then I can forgive others because I have been forgiven. It becomes my truth. The Bible says the following, Galatians 2.20, God loves you unconditionally. This is a truth that you have to put on daily. There is nothing you can do to make him love you any less or more. Make this your truth. Jesus died on the cross so you can be forgiven. Romans 5, 8. Make this your truth. God has a special plan for your life. Make this your truth. Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible is the source of truth for you. Psalm 119, verse 60. God hears and answers when you pray. Jeremiah 33, 3. Make this your truth. You are unique. There is no one like you. Psalm 139, 14. Make this your truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You can do anything God asks you to do with his power. Philippians 4, 13. Make this a truth for you when you lie in bed at night wondering how can I achieve what God has called me to do. My truth is I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. 
Make this your truth. Do not let the world determine your truth. Let the word determine your truth. Your truth belt that you put on every single day. Walk around with it wherever you go. It says in Psalms 23, Jesus will always be with you no matter what you go through. That is my truth. What are you going through? My truth is I am not alone in this. I'm not walking through this valley alone. Jesus is with me. This is my truth. God will give you wisdom to make good choices. James 1 verse 5. This is my truth. You can be strong and brave with, brave with God. Joshua 1 7. Strong and brave with God. What am I facing? I can get through this. Put God first and he will provide for your needs. God, you are my first. God, I trust you with my tithe. I trust you with my offering. I put you first. Thank you, God, that I know that you are faithful and true. See, we have to put on the full armor of God, but it starts with the belt of truth. And if you are not wearing the belt of truth, the rest of the armor will be of no use for you because an armor that is not put on with truth will not stand or be of any help in any attack from the enemy. You cannot compromise the truth. You cannot change it for, for your comfort level. You cannot adjust it. The truth is the truth and it should become ours. And that's how we are supposed to live every single day of our lives. Put on the belt of truth and don't take it off ever again. And you will see how your life will change. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful that you've given us truth that we can anchor ourselves in, that we know have stood the test of time. There is no other truth like it, Lord. And, and you've proven it to us. It's not that, that it's in blind faith. No, Father, your word has been proven to be truth. So Father, I pray for every single person listening to this message, that where they are right now, that they will take this message and say, there's been areas where I've compromised truth for my own comfort level, emotional feelings, hurt, disappointment, offense. I will lay those things aside and I will come back to truth and I will humbly submit to your ways, Lord. And where I need to repent, I will go and ask for forgiveness. Where I need to take up a new stand, I will take up a new stand. Where I've become comfortable with lies, I will address those lies and say you are no longer welcome in my life because truth tells you that you are not. Father, I will bring the change that I need to bring because I am wearing the belt of truth. And Father, I pray as this week goes that you will remind us every single day as we walk, the belt of truth is around our waist. I pray your blessing over every person in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope this message spoke to you. Um, I hope that you know it's preached in love because I want you to be victorious in this life. We love you. We look forward to seeing you Christmas Eve. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.